You guys are awesome. I'm telling you what, I am humbled. I am uh, blown away by this church. I am blown away by your pastors. Um, I count Jeremy and, and, and Jacob as, as uh, close friends, as good friends. And I'm just so... Uh, it's the gospel that knits us together. It's the gospel. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that knits our souls together. Although we haven't spent a lot of time together, some time, not a lot, but uh, the gospel just knits our soul together. And I'm so, I'm so ecstatic and joyful and happy that we get to know one another, that we get to partner together, that we get to be in the same network together, that, uh, man, God's so good. He is so good. And uh, so today's going to be kind of weird, perhaps, um, for you guys. I don't know. It may be a little weird for me. Um, every time I, I get to preach at, uh, at Sojourn in Huntsville, um, I, I always tell uh, our folks that, that I'm not preaching to them. I'm preaching to me. So I'm going to say the same thing to you today that I'm not preaching at you or to you, what I need to hear is what, you know, I need to hear what I got to say today. I need it. It's for me. Um, it's not for you. Really, it's not. And if, if the Holy Spirit happens to come in here, and he's already here, praise the Lord, and he moves in your heart and he stirs you in such a way that it's like, wow, I think he's talking to me. Well, that, that's the Holy Spirit because it's not me because I'm not, <laughs> I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. I always tell our folks, the, the first time I ever preached at Sojourn uh, several years ago, I, I told them that I needed a cardboard cutout of myself put on the front row uh, or a mirror so that I can get to myself and I can just kind of smack myself around and, and hit on myself and, and just say, what are you doing, Eric? What are you doing? And, and preach to myself. So that's what I, that's what I need, and that's what, uh, that's what I'm doing. Um, I come to you this morning as, as a guy that's broken. As a, as a broken sinner who desperately, desperately needs God's grace. Um, so I, I don't want you to think this morning that, that as I'm, that, you know, when Jeremy called, he, he actually texted me on Monday night, and I looked at it, and I purposely ignored him, uh, just saying, okay, Lord, I don't really want to do this, to be honest. It's like, Lord, really? Uh, I'll just ignore Jeremy. Maybe he'll figure it out some other way. And then he gets, sends me an email on Monday or on Tuesday morning. Hey, bro, call me. Call me immediately. I need you to talk to, I need to, talk to you now. I'm like, oh, Lord, okay. So I call him. And God begins to stir and to show me. And, and, and so this is a message. This message that I'm, it's not something I just pulled out of the file uh, at the house. Uh, I don't even have a message file. But it's not, something, <laughs> it's not something I pulled out and just said, well, I'll just rehash a, a sermon from, from, uh, from last year or from six months ago or from two years ago or from 10 years ago. I'll just, uh, and God's really been stirring in my heart and dealing. So these are things that, that everything that you're going to hear is things that I'm dealing with right now. These are, these are things that are stirring in Eric's soul. These are troubles that are in Eric's life. These are things that he's dealing with that my wife and my family can bear witness to this. This is not uh, just where I'm removed from it. So you're, I'm going to kind of open up the journal a little bit and let you in. And uh, so you can kind of see that what I'm, what I'm dealing with. This, our, our psalm this morning, Psalm 42, 1 to 5, has been to me just 
a, a psalm that has just ministered to my heart, continues to minister to my heart. It, it's, it's, it's this psalm where David is, is crying out to God that, that somehow he's, he's disconnected from God in some way. That, that he doesn't feel that closeness anymore. He feels like perhaps he's left God or, he's, or God's kind of removed himself in such a way and, 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 that, and that he's crying out and he, 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 he sees this. I love this. How many of you grew up in a Christian home or anybody? You remember singing that song, As a Deer Pants for Flowing Stream, that crappy Christian camp song? I'm sorry if you liked it. Um, I grew up singing that song, and it was just, As a deer pants for the water. So it was all happy and joyful, and that's not what David's doing. I mean, I appreciate the song, and I don't want to, you know, whatever. But anyway, I, just the, David is crying out, as a deer pants for flowing streams, my, and so pants my soul for you, O Lord. He is crying. He perhaps is in the wilderness. He's running from Absalom, perhaps, uh, some of the scholars tell us, and that, and that he's, 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 he sees this deer in the woods. Maybe this deer's been hunted, being hunted, or maybe it's being chased by another animal, and, he come, and he's kind of seeing this deer that's at this flowing streams, and he's, he's panting. He's, you know, he's trying to get water. He's trying to, the deer's trying to rest and, and trying to, uh, to gain himself, to, to regain his strength, regain his breath. And this is, David kind of projects himself into this, and he's like, I I'm like this deer. My, my soul thirsts for you, God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Think about this. Think about this, that David is the king. David walked with God. David was spirit-filled. David did all these amazing things, and God was ever-present, and, and, and people saw that. People saw David grow up in the kingdom and all these things, and, and now he's having this difficulty. He's having this trial. He's having this, this period of joylessness, this period of depression, this period of, of, of struggle, and he's like, where is God? And people are like, his enemies are like, where is your God? It's like, where is your God, David? Where is your God? And then he says, these things I remember. He's reminding himself of where he's come from, that I pour out my soul and that I would lead to the throng and lead the procession to the house of God with shouts, of, with shouts and songs of praise and multitudes of keeping festivals. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. He can't even, he can't even praise God. He's like, why are you so downcast or why are you so cast down? So get the picture. This is the kind of thing that I want to, the stage I want to set because this is where I am. This is where I have been in my personal life. Well, my flesh is fainting away and, and, and tears have been my food for day and night. I'm like, God, where are you? Where are you, Lord? I remember the days when I could praise you and sing praises to you. I remember the days when, 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 I, would, when I could go into our church and I could shout for joy and I could, I could say, God is moving and God's doing all these great and wonderful things. And, but God, I don't, I don't see you that way anymore. I, I tease you, Lord. Where, where are you at, God? Oh, my soul's panting for you. Lord, why are you downcast, Eric? Why are you, why are you facing the dirt, Eric? Hope in God. And I'm like, I want to hope in God. I want to hope in God. I want to hope in God. I'm hoping in God. I'm hoping in God. Why are you cast down? One of these days, I know that I will praise him again and am praising him. 
And God's beginning to take me out of this thing and whatever this is. So I just want to talk to you about that. This downcastness, this depression, this, this uh, melancholy, as the old timers used to call it. And I've been struggling with this, this whole idea, this whole thing for several months now. My wife thinks for several years, um, you know, my wife constantly says, I just want you to be happy. I, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I just want you to be happy, Eric. And I'm like, me too. Me too. I want to be happy. I want, to, I want this fog to lift. I want the clarity to come back. I, want, I, want, I, I, I hate that feeling of hopelessness. I hate that feeling of like you're all alone and you're by yourself and no one's there. Not even God. I hate that feeling. I feel like David in the psalm. David, have you guys read the psalms? It's like this. It's crazy. David is like a manic depressive who goes from like up. Woo! God's so good. Yes, God. Yeah. And then he comes down to like, oh, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. God, where are you at? I don't see you. God, I'm, I'm dying. My enemies are, are, are against me. Everybody's talking about me. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to die. Lord, where are you at? And then, wow, God's so great. It's up and down and up and down and up and down. And if you read the stories in the life of David, he's, he's even like, sometimes he's like psychotic. He's just crazy. And so that's, I can identify like that, my cycle, if you call it that. I was reading lately, I've been reading a ton of books lately about this, about this depression, this spiritual depression, as Martin Lloyd-Jones calls it, this melancholy, R.C. Sproul calls it, that he struggled with, um, and this joylessness, this casting down of the soul. I've been reading books by all kinds of different people and reading sermons and hearing uh, different things. St. John of the Cross, who was a Catholic um, back in the, in the 1500s, he wrote a, a poem and a, uh, a book called The Dark Night of the Soul, which he deals with this. Uh, Jeannie Guyon, who's ex who writes extensively about this in her book, Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ. If you haven't read that book, I commend this book to you. Uh, it's, it's Jeannie Guyon, uh, experiencing the depths of Jesus Christ. Winston Churchill, I don't know if he was a believer or not, but he dealt with the struggles, this depression during World War II, trying to, Nazis trying to come in and invade England and all these kinds of things. And, he, and Winston Churchill called it his black dog that was always with him. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, had this depression that was over him. And he, he said it was like fighting the mist, like, like he's trying to fight the mist and couldn't, he, he just, it just wasn't there. He wasn't connecting. Soren Kierkegaard, who's a theologian and a, a scholar of, of sorts, and, and uh, uh, he said, and I thought this was interesting and, and pretty sick, but he's like, my depression is the most faithful mistress I've known. No wonder I return the love. He's struggling with this depression. He's struggling with this melancholy, with this, with this where is God uh, type of attitude. And he's like, she, this depression is my faithful mistress. We see this pattern all through our Bible heroes, and I use Bible hero as, a, as loosely. God's the hero, not these guys, but guys like Moses, guys like Hezekiah, David, Solomon, all these guys. We see it as we read their stories in the biographies in the Bible uh, that, uh, that they struggled, that they up and down and back and forth and hoping in God and despair and depressed and not sure what's going on and all these kinds of things. 
And as I look at it in my life, I'm like, okay, God, where's the joy? Where's the joy that, that, that Eric needs? Where's the joy? I've got people to lead, Lord. I've got, I've got, I've got, we've got people to lead. I've got, I've got people to pastor. I've got, I've got, I've got a family, not only, not only people. I've got, a, I've got a family. I've got two teenage daughters. God, help me. And I need that help, you know? I need wisdom. I, I, I need this joy. I need them. I want my kids. I want my kids to see the power and the majesty and the beauty and the joy and the wonderfulness of God. My greatest fear, my kids are here and they're going to hear this, but my greatest fear in life is that my kids grow up hating God and grow up hating the church because they see their old man struggling with this kind of thing. That bothers me, man. I pray about that all the time. Lord, may it not be. And so I see the scriptures and I, I see in the scriptures where, where we're commanded in sense where when we're filled with the spirit that, that it's just a natural overflow. And I've been there. You've been there. I've experienced it before. Galatians, uh, if you want to write this down, maybe it'll be on the screen, but Galatians 5, through 25. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those that belong to Christ have been crucified, have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Man, so that's uh, walking in the spirit, the natural outcome, the natural manifestation. One of those things is joy. That's kind of weird. Lord, am I not walking in the spirit? Lord, where's the spirit? I need the spirit, Lord. I need to, I need to walk in love. I need to walk in joy. I read this verse uh, in Romans chapter 14, verses 17 through 18. Now the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and of peace and of joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is accepted of God and approved of men. And I'm like, oh no, oh no. That the kingdom of God, that Jesus said that the kingdom of God was inside of me and that this kingdom wants to manifest itself inside of me and that one of the, 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 foundation, the founding principles of this kingdom of God being manifest in my life is it's not through eating or drinking or outward things, but it's righteousness and it's peace and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. It's like this, uh, I just imagine this, uh, this fountain as uh, Jesus told us, right, in John, that it's this fountain of living water and it's springing forth and it's just this flooding our souls and it's just joy and joy and righteousness and peace. And I'm like, man, somebody's capped that spring. Something's going on, Lord. I, I don't know what is happening. And what I want to say is I'm not discounting suffering. I'm not going to discount Suffering and pain and trials and demonic oppression and sickness, etc. I'm not gonna, I'm not discounting those things. This world is broken. This world is jacked. It's a sinful place. My life is jacked. My life is sinful. I'm not gonna discount the Satan and demons because they are very real and they are very active. I'm not going to discount trials and tribulations. It's, it's very real and very painful. Let me tell you some of the things that we've been dealing with as a church family at Sojourn. The death of, member, of a member. In the last two weeks, we've had to deal with a suicide. We're dealing with multiple women having multiple miscarriages. Loss of jobs. Loss of health evictions, bankruptcies, divorce, adultery, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. 
So just this last couple of weeks dealing with death and suicide and just the, 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 just the, the demonic nature of that and just the pain that caused the families and just the issues that ensues and the questions that people ask and you know just the questions that the kids have and all these kinds of things i'm not discounting suffering suffering is is a very real thing in this life but what what i'm thinking in my in myself and what i've been what i've been processing uh, to myself is that there has got to be this deep-seated joy there has got to be this deep-seated righteousness. There's got to be this deep-seated peace where, man, when all hell is breaking loose against us, we can say, man, I've got hope. I've got hope. I've got joy. It may not, I, I, I may lose everything. I may, everything may be falling apart in my life. I mean, you know, it just, it just could be bad. It could be real bad. Some of you know what I'm talking about. That's real bad. But there's this joy that we crave. There's this joy like David where it's like, Lord, I want you. Lord, I need you. Lord, you are my satisfaction. Lord, you are all that I need. And that's where I want to be. I know that's where you want to be. I recently was reading in Deuteronomy. And I don't know why, but Deuteronomy just, it's probably one of my favorite books in the Bible. I know it's weird. And uh, my people say it's weird anyway. <laughs> Where are you reading? I'm reading in Deuteronomy about the law. You know, whoa, why didn't you do that? Um, Deuteronomy 28 is so interesting because, you know, you, you've, got, you've got Deuteronomy, just if you don't know, it's, it's, it's Moses rehashing the law, rehashing the things. In Deuteronomy 28, 45, he talks about these curses that will overtake them. Uh, in Deuteronomy 28, 45, he says, all these, curse, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you till you're destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord our God or your God and keep his commandments and his statutes that he commanded you. That they, they shall be a sign for you and a wonder against you and your offspring forever. Verse 47 is the key because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and, a gl and gladness of heart. Whoa. I mean, that's just kind of one of those verses where you're just kind of reading and it just kind of... It just kind of jumps out at you. Uh, it's just like, whoa, they, they didn't serve the Lord with joyfulness and gladness of heart. Since when did we need to do that? You know, we just serve the Lord out of duty, right? We just serve the Lord because, it's, uh, because that's just what we're supposed to do. And God says, I don't want you to serve me just because and walk with me just because you have to. I want you to walk with me because you want to. I want it to be out of a joy. I want it to be out of a gladness. I want it to be because your heart's been changed, because you've, you've experienced something that maybe no one else has experienced. And I was like, oh my goodness, Israel, come on, Israel. Why, why in the world would you go through this, Israel? You know, always when you're struggling, I point my finger at somebody. You know, it's like in the garden. The man blames the woman. The woman blames the devil. And nobody blames themselves kind of thing. And so I'm just pointing my finger at Israel. I'm like, come on, Israel, what are you thinking? You saw all the miracles. You saw how God manifested his presence in your life. You saw the, all, the, all, the, all the plagues that happened. You saw all these things. You saw all the stuff that's going on. Why can't you serve the Lord with joyfulness and gladness? You saw the Red Sea part. You saw Pharaoh's army try to go across and then killed. You saw God lead you by a pillar of, of cloud and fire. You saw all these things. You got, you got water from a rock. You got bitter water sweet. You got manna to eat. All these manifestations of God's presence and God's goodness and God's glory. And then if, if that doesn't cap it off, man, 
God coming down on Mount Sinai, burning the place up and showing his awesome power and, and all these things. And I'm like, what's wrong with you, Israel? And God's like, what's wrong with you, Eric? What's wrong with you, Eric? Because I've manifested my, God has manifested himself in my life so many times. I could sit here all day long and all night long and talk, talk to you about how God has manifested himself in my life and how I've seen miracles and how I shouldn't even be here today and, and all these things. And, and God's like, and I was like, oh Lord, I'm so sorry. Lord, I'm so sorry. Lord, I want to serve you. I want to do it in joyful. I want to do it with a glad heart. Lord, I want to, to remember your presence. Father, I want to know you. I want to remember all the good deeds that you've done. I want to remember the blessings that you give. You know the song, uh, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done, count your blessings. I want to count my blessings so I can remember what God has done. So for me, uh, what, what has God shown me about this? Why? Uh, how do I regain my joy? How do I, when I get in that spiritual funk, you know, how do I, how do I get out of that? How do I get out of that funk? And God's given me uh, three things that I want to share with you. And, and then um, uh, there's probably more. And uh, if I preach this again somewhere else, that'll probably end up being five or six different things. I don't know. But right now there's three things that I need to focus on in my life uh, to, to, to get myself or to, for the Lord to help me get out of this funk. Number one is the presence of the Lord. Number two is repentance of sin. And number three is just simply the gospel. And so let's look at number one. I need through the spirit to spend time in the presence of the Lord. I through the Spirit, need to spend time in the presence of the Lord. It's not about data. It's not about uh, more information. We got enough information. We know way too much. Um, a friend of ours recently, their, their young kid who's, uh, who's borderline genius, maybe is genius, uh, he's like four, five, six, I forget. But, uh, but he says, Mom, how come Google know everything? <coughs> you know, you can Google everything. You got information at your fingertips, you know. And so we, it's not about data. It's not about, no, it's not about just having the data of the scriptures and knowing about God. It's about him and, and you and he and me and him having a relationship, about having a deeper relationship with my Abba, my father, my daddy. My heavenly daddy. Psalm chapter 16 and verse 11 says, You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there's fullness of joy. Why am I not joyful? It's probably because I'm not in his presence. I'm not in his presence. I'm not spending time. I may be reading the word. I may be sitting here reading and, and just and taking notes and, and, and waiting for the next uh, get together with my buddies so we can talk about spiritual things, but it's not life transforming. It's not life changing. I need to be in the presence of the Lord, not for data, not for anything other than just to enjoy his presence, to enjoy him, to have relationship with him, uh, you know. That's where we need to be. That's where I need to be, is in God's presence. Psalm 21, verse 6 says basically the same thing. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. The joy of being in the presence of God. 
what this speaks to me about is, is, um, is uh, really my, my, uh, my crappy prayer life. Really. That, that I need to spend more time in the presence of the Lord uh, through prayer. That God's really been, uh, at, our, at our church uh, sojourn, God has been really placing on, uh, on our leaders and uh, on our elders to really this idea of, of prayer, this idea of really seeking the Lord. Not just, not just this not just this mouthy thing that we think we have to do. It's no, we're going we're gonna to seek the Lord together. We're going to walk uh, with the Lord together. We're going to enjoy God together. We're going to call out to God together. Psalm 46, or excuse me, Psalm 43 and verse uh, 4. Then I will go to the altar of God, the God of my exceeding joy, and I will praise you. With a liar, oh God, my God. I will go to the altar of God. So when we go to the altar of God through prayer, when we spend the time we need to praying to God and, and talking to Him, not just uh, privately, but corporately, but when we, when we spend time, when we take that time, it's just, not, it's just not crumbs. I think so many times that I come before the Lord and, you know, and I'm just like, uh, hurry up, Lord. Come on, I got things to do. I got stuff to do, Lord. Busy day ahead. I got, I got, I got sermons to plan. I got, come on, Lord. I got teachings to do. I got, I got, I got people that need counseling. Come on, Lord. Uh, come on, give me, here, Lord, help me. Uh, and the Lord's like, no, not so much, not so much. My desire is to have this relationship with God that's deep, that is, uh, that no matter what happens, that the world could be falling around and down against me and around me, that I have perfect joy and peace and satisfaction and delight in a God, in my God, in my Creator. In the midst of weakness, God, I want God to be strong. In the midst of financial distress, and we understand financial distress um, in, in my family because we've been, we've been living on support for a couple of years now. And, and so we understand this. So when, when, the, when the money's short, we want, to, we want God to be our provision. I know some of you understand where I'm coming from. I know some of you under, can relate to those things. When you're weak, that you want God to be strong. When you're financially distressed, that you want God to be your provision. I need God to be my provision. When, when relationships are going south, uh, when there's issues with relationships, I want God to be my friend. In the, midst of, of, in the midst of sickness, I want God to be my health. In the midst of persecution, I want God to be my shield and my refuge and my rock and my fortress. All these things, that the, the metaphors that, that the psalmist use. I was recently reminded of this great verse in Habakkuk. I know all you guys spend time in Habakkuk today in your private prayer time and reading. Um, Habakkuk. This is like the most amazing passage of Scripture ever. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 18. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and, and the fields yield no food, the flocks be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stall. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Wow. This is, a, I, this is like gold nugget, man. Right in the middle of like some obscure book that nobody hardly reads, right? 
So I use this in, in our, in our, um, in our gospel class that we, our members class, we call it our gospel class that we take uh, potential members through. Uh, when we talk about uh, God and, and, and uh, that section, I take them to this verse and I, and their homework or their, or their, their assignment right there is to translate that passage into a context that fits them. Now, I don't know, maybe you've got some uh, vines and fig trees and olive trees, and maybe there's, you know, you've got flocks in the garage. I don't know. I don't, but, so put it in our context, and I'm just amazed at what I hear when you put it in your, in your vocabulary, in your context. It's amazing to me when it comes out of my mouth, when I translate this loosely uh, for my life in a devotional sense, you know, like, there be no paycheck. And as a result, there's no food in the, in the, in, there's no food in the fridge. And uh, I can't put gas in the car. And you know what? They've already come and got the car, so it doesn't matter. Um, I can't pay the rent. Um, um, and they're going to they're gonna come take the house. And uh, I don't know what we're going to eat, and I don't know where we're going to sleep, and, and I don't know how we're going to get anywhere else, and, and I don't have any money, and, and, and we're just, and, and all, everything's been cut off, and there's, there's nothing. I've got nothing. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> yeah, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Maybe my health fails. Maybe my health goes south. Maybe uh, my kids go crazy and rebel, God forbid. Maybe things just go really bad. Maybe I'm homeless. Maybe I don't have a place to call my own. Maybe I don't have a car. Maybe I have to end up walking everywhere. Maybe I don't know where things are going to come from. I don't know how to get medical help. I don't know how to get, I don't know how to get food. I don't know how to get any, maybe everything's gone. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Listen, guys, I'm not there. That is not where I am, but I want to be there. I want to be there. I remember some preachers talk about this passage, and what if, what if God takes his family, and what if God takes his wife and his kids, God forbid, and what if God takes everything he has, what if God strips him naked in the middle of the city, and he's like, yet will I rejoice. Yet will I rejoice. That's what I want. That, I want that prayer in Habakkuk to be true in my life. Psalm 63, 1 through 4. Same kind of idea. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So, if, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. My, your steadfast love is better than life. Think about that for a minute. Meditate on that in your heart, in your soul. Your steadfast love, God, is better than life. Now think about your life. Can you say that? Can I say that? Can I say that? That God, you're, you could take everything away from me, everything that is life, and your steadfast love is better, Lord. Your stead, I want that to be true in my life. Psalm 73, 25 through 26, same idea again. Who have I in heaven but you? 
And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Think through that. Think about that for a minute. That, that there is nothing on earth. How can, how can this psalmist say that? There's nothing on earth I desire besides you, Lord? What about my wife and my kids? What about the things I have? What about the family, the extended family? What about, what, what about the, the, all the things, Lord? He says there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I want that to be my prayer. I want to live that way. I want to know what it is to walk into the presence of God and be, (laughs) and nothing else matter. That's what I want. And so I need to, to get this joy back to, for God to be my satisfaction in everything. I need to be in his presence. I need to, be in, I need to understand what it is for the, like the psalmist, and like Habakkuk the prophet. I need to understand what, what that's like. These guys had a relationship in some way that I want, that I need, that I desire. So that's number one, I need to be in the presence. Number two is I need to be in a continual state of repentance. It blows, it shouldn't blow me away, but it blows me away how much I need to repent. Good grief. I'm a pastor. I shouldn't have to repent so much, right? Not. Man, what a job. I could spend the rest of my life, every moment of the day, just repenting. Martin Luther says this, the first point of the theses that he, that he nailed up at uh, Wittenberg. He said, when the Lord, the master, Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed that the entire life of the believers be one of repentance, that the entire life of the believer is one of repentance, that every moment is, uh, uh, is, is that of repentance. Just recently, it's not, um, um, just recently, I watched this video, this documentary about these Orthodox, uh, 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 Greek Orthodox non- um, monks and nuns. I was going to call them something else. Anyway, these, they're Greek Orthodox. Uh, I was going to do it again. Monks and nuns. Um, and it was interesting to me that, that these guys, they, they have this little prayer rope that they, that, they pl- that they pray. And they pray this thing. They call it Jesus prayer. Maybe you've heard it. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And they repeat this prayer over and over and over and over and over. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus. And I was like, yes, that's it. That's the, not that I'm going to dress like a monk and, and have a prayer rope with me all the time, but the idea, the mindset of, constantly, everywhere I go, Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's the idea of this repentance. You remember uh, this idea of, 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 of um, repenting of sin, this idea that we need to be repenting of sin, repenting of our transgressions, because the, uh, sin is a barrier. Sin is a barrier between me and the joy of the Lord. Sin is a barrier and inhibits my joy. David, remember the story of David when he got busted uh, with adultery, doing adultery and murder? Remember the prophet Nathan comes to him 
And, and Nathan comes to him and, and he confronts him and, and says that he's the sinner. He's the guy that he's, that he's committed adultery with Bathsheba and that he's killed her husband. And, and, and David thinks he's, trying, he's getting away with it. And all of a sudden he realizes he doesn't get away with it. And there's this, he's confronted with this sin and God, uh, is, his hand is heavy on him. I thought this was amazing when David writing this Psalm 51, which is the Psalm that he uses to repent and the Psalm that he's using to get right with the Lord in verse 12, Psalm 51, 12 says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. So David's praying, I need the joy, Lord, I need, I need your joy. I need the joy of your salvation. I, I, we've been cut off. There's this sin problem. There's this major sin issue uh, that, that's before me. And, and, and Lord, I, I'm sorry. Lord, I need to enter in back into the joy of the Lord. Psalm 32 is another psalm of, of where David's repenting the same kind of idea. He says, blessed is the one whose transgressions Transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whom sin there is no deceit. Excuse me, in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through the groanings all day long. So he says, uh, so he's groaning, man, his bones inside of him. He was just weary. He's being wasted away. He's having to, he's harboring the sin in his life. In verse four, he says, the day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as in the heat of the summer. I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And he forgave my, the iniquity of my sin. And then he goes on and he's talking about all this. And at the very end, in verse 11, he says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy all you upright of heart. So it's when we confess, it's when we confess our sins, it's when we confess and, and, and God's hand is heavy upon us and he's, he's, he's pressing into us and asking us to confess and asking us to repent. That we repent, we are forgiven of that sin and, he, and, and, and joy is restored. Joy comes back. Luke chapter 15 and verse 10, uh, I love this. He says, so I tell you that there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I thought this was interesting because heaven is very interested in our repentance. Heaven is waiting on our repentance. Heaven uh, is, is excited. You know, we have a, there's a sinner that repents. There's one that's away from the Lord, that doesn't know the Lord, that repents of his sins, that accepts the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and comes to uh, a saving knowledge of Jesus. And so heaven is all a joy. Heaven is all a shout of joy. There's, there's joy in the presence of, of the angels. And I got to thinking, man, what happens when I repent? What happens if, if a sinner gets that kind of joy? What about a son? What about a son who repents? And the son who says, Dad, I'm sorry I screwed up again. Dad, I'm sorry I messed up again. I think there's joy. I was reading in the, some commentaries, and uh, there's, um, uh, there's a, in some languages, there's an issue with joy. They can't translate the word joy. So what they have to translate that to is a heart that is dancing or a heart that shouts because it's happy. So that dancing heart, just imagine a little, right? Dancing heart. 
That's what's happening in heaven when sinners repent, when I repent, when I ask the Lord for forgiveness, is when I'm constantly in that state of repentance, is that the Lord, is that there's this dancing heart, there's this happy, happy heart. I, uh, forgive me, but I was just thinking, when I was preparing this, I was thinking about celebration by cool in the gang. You know? I was going to have you guys play that, but I didn't know if that would be appropriate or not. You know, so I went to YouTube and I kind of watched it. I watched Cool and the Gang singing, you know, celebrate good times. Come on. Da, da, da. So I was like, that's, that's what God cues up, man, when we repent. I don't know. I'm just making it up. <laughs> but think about that. Think about it in our context, man, when we repent of our sin and when, when things are clean and when things are right between us and God, when things are right between Eric and his father. And there's joy, man. There's joy. You, you want to spend time. You want to be together. There's this dancing heart. There's this celebration. There's this cool in the gang moment. At least it is in my life. So we need to repent of sin. We need to be in the presence of God. And I think this is, I think this part is the next number three is, is by far the most important. That I need through the spirit to remember the gospel and how it applies to my life. I must remember the gospel, the gospel. Psalm 20 verse 5 says, may we shout for joy over your salvation. Remember David in Psalm 51 said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3 says, the joy, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. I got to thinking about this, man, and that I need, to, I need to constantly come back to the wells of salvation. And that's not to, that's not to get saved over again. That's not to, to, to have that salvation experience again. But that is for me to remember where the Lord's brought me from. That's for me to remember the gutter that the Lord found me in, literally. I need to remember the mercy that was shown to me as a 20-year-old college student. I need to remember that he gave me hope and that he gave me acceptance and that he gave me a reason to live. There's a reason to live. There's a reason to sing for joy. There's a reason to hope. I don't, I remember, oh man, I remember my life before Jesus invaded my space, you know? I remember what my life was like when I was just a, a, just a miserable, terrible, wicked, sinful college student who was struggling with life, who felt like everything was against him, who had no friends, who was completely addicted to chemicals, who was considering killing himself. I remember those days. That's me. I remember how I felt. And I remember when God miraculously showed up in my, in my dorm room. I remember that. When the Lord, just out of nowhere, I mean, I was minding my own business, right? And the Lord just showed up in my dorm room and he says, Eric, I'm here. I'm here. I know you're struggling. I know, you're, I know you've got a chemical problem, Eric. I know you've got issues. I know that you've, I know that you've lost some friends and I know that, I know that all these things have happened and, and I know that you want to end your life, Eric. I know that you want to end it and I'm here to tell you you don't have to because I've got hope and I've got grace and I've got goodness and I've got mercy for you. My son Jesus died for you such that you don't have to 
go through this. Luke 2 tells us that, the, that the, when the angels were proclaiming uh, the good news of the gospel, he says, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be to all people. It's good news of great joy. The gospel is good news of great joy. The gospel is joy just manifesting in our lives because of the good news that God decided to come to earth to be wrapped in this in this flesh to become dependent as a baby to be vulnerable and to grow up and to do all these things and then to live excuse me live a life that I couldn't live to die a death that I wasn't willing to die and to rise again through the power of the spirit because I couldn't do that either and so it's through the gospel, it's through the gospel that, that I have hope. It's through the gospel, it's through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that I, can, that I have to remember, I have to go back to the wells of salvation and remember when God saved me and what he saved me from and how he's manifested his goodness and grace and mercy and love and power all through these last 18, 19 years of, of being saved and, and, and how he's going to continue to do that and just all the blessings that he's given in my life. I have to go back and think through that. I have to go back and meditate on that and how God didn't have to come as a baby. God didn't have to come as Jesus and to be manifest and to die and to rise again. But he did, and he did it for me. I was, man, we were praying earlier this morning, and I was just blown away by thinking about that before, before time, before, before time that God was thinking about me, that God had predestined this day to be here where I'm standing here. I was just like, wow, that's... That's heavy, man. That's heavy. That God cared about me enough that he had predestined me to be one of his children, to grow. To, I mean, just, this is before time. This is before any of us. This is before we were it's just so mind-boggling. Ephesians says it's a manner of love. It's, it's love that, that, that God had predestined us to do that. So I have to go back and think about that. Man, when my, life is in the, in the, when my life is in the toilet, okay, seemingly, man, I think about what God's doing in my life, and I think about where I've come from, and I was like, whoa, it's not that bad. It's really not that bad that God is my joy and God is my peace. I mean, I, I, mean, I know my life is jacked up, and I know that I, I've got to repent all the time. And, and like I said, I, I, came from a, I came from a bad, a bad thing, you know, and I was... I was totally jacked up before I came to Christ and I'm still messed up you know but it just blows me away it blows me away that God would stoop now get this image I don't know if you guys use this image or, or this language or not uh, here but think about this that God of the heavens stooped he stooped down he stooped and he and he and, and when I was at my lowest point that God stooped and he got down and he said Eric, I love you. I love you, Eric. I sent my son Jesus to die for you and to be buried and to rise again. I did that for you, Eric. I love you, Eric. I will give you my peace. I'll give you my joy. I'll give you, my, my, I'll give you myself. And he whispered in my soul and he forgave my sins and he forgave my shame and my guilt. 
And as a result of that, I love the song that we sang, uh, that, that uh, sin has lost its power, death has lost its sting. You think about that, that that's what God did for me, that now there's no power, that Satan, sin, and death have no power over us anymore, that Satan, sin, and death have made, uh, are, are defeated, that Colossians says, and this is the Eric translation, that when Christ crucified and when he resurrected, that he thumbed his nose up at the enemy. He's like, ha! He's like, screw you guys, I won! That's what he said to the enemy. That's what he said. I'm telling you, it's my translation. That's what he said, that, that, that Satan, sin, and death are defeated that I can live victoriously, that I can have joy, that I can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. God stooped, and he stoops, and he is stooping. And he's stooping for some of you today. Actually, you know what? He's stooping for all of us today. But there's some of you in here I know. I know what you're thinking. And you're thinking that I'm too low. I'm too low. I, I can't... Uh, God can't stoop that low because I'm way too low. And some of you say, well, I'm not savable. I, I can't be saved because I'm, I'm just unsavable. You don't know what I've done, Eric. I don't, I don't have to know. I know what I did. And God's like, and th- Jesus is calling, you know? And Jesus is saying, all this I did for you, all this I did for you, enter into the joy. Enter into the joy of the Lord, right? Enter into the joy of the Lord. Today, God is stooping. Today, God is bending at your soul and he's saying, I love you. I value you. I thought of you before there was even time to think about. I thought of you. I love you. I care.